Okay, I'm trying this again, and I don't know how I'm sounding. Uh, I just started a another feed on the news and views. As I say, YouTube and Google have messed things up once again. And I started a previous uh, news and views, and I had to quit because the people in the room were telling me that my microphone made me sound like Alvin and the Chipmunks, and that may be the case here. I don't know. Um, I, I really wish that someone in the chat room would let me know if this is sounding okay. This always happens when just when they, you get a system down, they change everything and you have to relearn everything and it's very frustrating. So I hope somebody will let me know. Uh, all right, Guy Newman in the chat room says it sounds fine this time. So I'm not sounding like Alvin and the Chipmunks. Anyway, welcome to News and Views on Thursday, August 14th, 2014. Uh, I have an unusual News and Views today because I want to talk about what's going on in Hong Kong. And rather than a normal news and views where I have an article that I'm commenting about, there's so many articles out there. I just want to comment on the general phenomenon today because I think this is a signal event and it's going to have massive geopolitical repercussions any way you look at it. And I want to talk about what I think some of those repercussions are. So before we get to that, just a reminder, there's no vid chat tomorrow. I am having company this weekend. And um, the problem is I don't have a vid chat scheduled for tomorrow. I've got to get ready for doing a recorded interview all day Saturday. So there will be no vid chat tomorrow. Some people have sent me in some comments and questions already. I will archive all of those plus the questions I had for the vid chat I had to cancel last week because of storms and power outages. I was without power for about three hours last Friday and I had to cancel because they were predicting more storms and I didn't want to have another power outage and not be able to tell people I was not able to get into the chat room for vid chat. So Please bear with us. I'm relearning everything with this new format. It's uh, not nearly as easy and friendly to use as the previous one, so uh, bear with me. Anyway, let's get to Hong Kong. Now, as you know, these protests have been going on in Hong Kong for quite a while. They are getting almost out of hand. The protests are over an extradition law that was up for debate in Hong Kong that would have allowed people to be extradited from Hong Kong to mainland China. That's what all of this is about. But behind this, it's really the perception of the Hong Kongese that they are losing some of their freedoms. And there have been numerous articles over the past, I'd say, several months in relationship to these protests about how the Chinese mainland government has essentially reneged on some aspects of the initial original deal that it struck with the United Kingdom back in 1997. So I want to also point out that the communist Chinese government has now been massing a massive amount of military and military hardware and vehicles 
right next to Hong Kong, and they are pledging, you know, to go in and restore law and order, basically, if these protests do not get under uh, under control. Now, what this raises for me, and I think if you if you stop and look at the situation in Hong Kong very carefully. It's raising some huge geopolitical issues, and there's a lot of stuff going on inside mainland China that I think is also playing in the communist Chinese government's calculus here, and those are the facts that there have been some major Chinese banks recently that have been failing. I, the last count I saw was about three banks have been put under the government's uh, control in China because they were beginning to fail. So you have bank failures in the background here. The Chinese economy, if you're watching it carefully, seems to be starting to implode. So there's lots going on here. But let's assume that there is a an invasion by the communist Chinese. In other words, that they have a replay, essentially, of Tiananmen Square back in 1987. They move in the military. They crush the protests. Now, what's that going to mean in terms of their Silk Road project? This is kind of a huge test for the communist Chinese government. They're in a very, very bad position because if they don't go in, and restore law and order, they're going to be seen and perceived as weak. And from their point of view, the protests could possibly spread from Hong Kong back inside mainland China itself. And you've got to factor that into their calculus. This is what they're thinking. And the other problem, again, I say they're between a rock and a hard place. If they do go in, and restore law and order, so to speak, and crush the protest by this brute military force, this is going to send exactly the wrong signal to everybody that they want to be involved in their Silk Road project. And it's going to reinforce the attitude that many countries in the region, Burma, Malaysia, Thailand, Australia, Indonesia, and so on, all of these countries do not trust the Chinese government, and for good reasons. And sending in troops to crush the Hong Kong protests will only cement that reputation, not only in those countries, but it's going to cause a tremendous crack in their Silk Road project, particularly in Africa, where they've been going uh, all out to convince African nations that they're the way of the future, that yes, you can trust us, we'll give you all these loans, build all this infrastructure. But what this does is if they go in and crush the protests, it means that you'd better kowtow to us, and I'm using that term advisedly, you'd better kowtow to us when we say we want such and such or are changing the terms of our agreement and backing it up with military force. So an invasion would be a signal, effectively, that the Silk Road project is over because China has been trying to push itself off as 
the country that's not interested in bombs and bullets, but hospitals and roads. Effectively, a, an intervention in Hong Kong would tarnish that image and therefore tarnish their ability to pursue their Silk Road project. So they are in a very, very difficult position in Hong Kong. And as I said, if they don't do anything, then the government's going to per be perceived as weak, and you might even have some internal factional infighting between Mr. Xi Jinping and uh, other factions within the Communist Party in mainland China. He cannot appear to be weak. But on the other hand, if he reacts too forcefully, this endangers their carefully cultivated geopolitical position. Now, the other problem is Russia. And if you go back to the late 1990s when the Shanghai Accords nations, otherwise known as the BRICS nations, began to stitch together this alliance in part to help build out the Silk Road, in part to beef up the infrastructure in Eurasia and create a massive economic power block in Eurasia. The problem here for Russia is that Russia has clearly aligned itself with China on a strategic basis. But Russia has been doing something else. If you've been following Mr. Putin <coughs> pardon me, in some of his speeches, in the last few years. What Mr. Putin has been doing also is trying to position Russia to speak out, number one, against globalism, which of course re resonates at this particular time period within the West very, very well. And he's also, if you've watched his speeches very carefully, he's also been trying to position Russia to be more or less the voice for the disenfranchised uh, nationalists or populists or whatever you want to call them in the West, and particularly the case in America. And what this means is Russia has built up a certain degree of moral and political capital in the West that it could lose depending on how it responds to whatever action China takes in Hong Kong. Now, let's assume that China goes in and crushes the protest Tiananmen Square style. What this means is that Russia is, is either going to sit by and say nothing, and if it says nothing, it loses that political capital that it built up. It loses the image that they've tried to cultivate that Russia is not an authoritarian state, it's not a neo-Stalinist state, and it's trying to experiment, as I've put it in the past, in becoming the first post-postmodern state, all right? If Russia says nothing about any Chinese action crushing those protests, then all of its words about what's going on in the West right now will be shown to be hypocritical, and they lose all that moral capital. On the other hand, if they do say something even mildly condemning of any Chinese intervention in Hong Kong, then they are putting at risk their long-term strategic um, long-term strategic alliance that they have carefully built with China over the last couple of decades. 
So Hong Kong is putting Russia in a difficult position. And it's if that's the case, let's let's reason a bit further here. If Russia is put into that position by whatever action the Chinese may take in Hong Kong to crush those protests, this in turn, if Russia decides to issue some sort of mild condemnation of China, then that will in turn force them through, through sheer geopolitical necessity to reach out to Japan and offer even more major concessions to Japan. As I've argued in the past, Russia has been paying a very careful balancing act between China and Japan, specifically in regard to Siberia. They've already made deals with Japan for billions of dollars for Japanese help in building out the infrastructure in Siberia. So this is going to change if Russia, if Russia does decide to issue a mild condemnation of whatever action China takes, that's going to weaken Russia's position with Japan. But by the same token, it's going to mean that Russia has to move forward in cementing relations between Russia and Japan. So in other words, Hong Kong, folks, is a huge geopolitical keystone in the arch right now in what's happening in Asia and how the three major powers, Russia, China, and Japan, are going to react to it. The only power in, in that region that stands to gain any way this goes is Japan, all right, if you look at it very, very carefully. Now, the other thing here that we have to consider is something else. And China has been hinting at this since these protests began. And that is, China is viewing these protests as not being entirely spontaneous. In other words, China is arguing that we have here typical non-governmental organizational color revolution activity that's taking place in Hong Kong. And what that means is that China is saying that the Western powers are ultimately behind this, and particularly the United States and the United Kingdom. Recall that uh, China and the United Kingdom had some sharp words last month in July that were exchanged between the Chinese ambassador and the British foreign secretary over the protests that were just beginning to start in Hong Kong. So China has been subtly suggesting, and sometimes not so subtly suggesting, that this activity has been a deliberate manufactured activity on the part of the United States and the United Kingdom. Now, that may or may not be true. I, for one, wouldn't be a bit surprised if it was. But if it is true, the only way forward for China is it's got to produce the proof, and the proof has to be absolutely indisputable if it's going to keep pushing that line. If it succeeds in producing that proof, then you can take that as a sure sign that at some point they're going to move in with force majeure and put down those protests. But even then, they're still going to pay that heavy geopolitical price. They're going to expend all of that 
moral and political capital that they have been building up very slowly and carefully over the years to complete their Silk Road project. And that's, for China, the key. Everything right now is riding on Hong Kong as far as China goes. So I want you to look for these signs just as a way of kind of reading the tea leaves as to what might go on. China produces some proof about its claims that these protests are not entirely spontaneous. If they do that, then it's a good sign or signal that they're about to take more serious action. If they don't do that and still take the action, then we need to look for Russia. Is Russia simply going to remain silent? If Russia remains silent, it loses its moral and political capital, and it's it's going to end up feeding the anti-Russia uh, frenzy that you've been seeing going on in the Western press. So it's putting Russia in a very, very difficult position. If Russia does not remain silent and issues some sort of mild condemnation, then look for Russia and Japan to start cooperating much more closely. So Hong Kong is big. Hong Kong is big. Make no mistake about it, because what's really at stake here is that grand plan for Eurasian integration, the One Belt, One Road project, and all of that stuff. And other nations in that region are watching how China is going to respond very carefully. And at the top of the list, you can put India, okay? This is, this is a powder keg for China. They are in a minefield, and they have to watch their step. Anyway, um, uh, one person just right now uh, in the chat room said something very interesting. China would be better as a federation, one country, many local systems. And that is, in fact, what was tried in, in Hong Kong with the initial agreement. The agreement was summarized as one country, two systems. And the problem here now is you've got the, the Chinese Communist Party, which is uh, essentially China makes China a monolithic sort of fascist state. And that's the problem. And the other problem is the Chinese Communist Party, the Constitution of Communist China, is essentially favoring the Han uh, clan in China. So there's a lot going on in the background here, but Hong Kong is the keystone in the arch for what is going to set the geopolitical tempo and temper of that region in the world for a long time to come. The ball's in China's court, but it's, it's, a, it's a position where almost any which way they turn, they could lose big. So we're going to have to see how this plays out. Anyway, one final time, a reminder, there's no vid chat tomorrow. Uh, with this new system, please be um, patient with me. I've been planning to do some webinars, but this new system is also making it difficult for me to figure out how to do the webinars. Anyway, that's it for today's uh, news and views from the Nefarium. Thank you for being patient, everybody, with the Alvin and the chipmunk voice that I had the first time going out. All right, we'll see you on the flip side, everybody. Bye-bye and God bless.